This is a Soulfire production. Yo, everybody, welcome back. It's Connor Wanders. Been trying to think of a new um, sign on statement. I feel like I need one of those now. I think it's been enough time. Been doing this for long enough now that I need a, some kind of juicy sign on statement. I was thinking, it's your home for current events, politics, and whatever the fuck else I want to talk about. I'm leaning that direction, but we'll see. I'll play with it a little bit. I'll fluff it out a little bit. Oh, we got some fun stuff that's going on. It was funny last episode. I was uh, I was struggling a little bit. I was I was trying to figure out what exactly to talk about because I realized that everything that was on the news that I felt like in the previous handful of days was just nothingness. There was nothingness. And that's when I just kind of re-anchored myself, grounded myself, centered myself into understanding that I don't need to report stuff that doesn't fucking matter. I don't. It was just more of the same shit. People mad at Trump about what the fuck ever. It was weird. And speaking of being mad at Trump, let's talk about this for a second. Being mad at Trump. If I have to see one more story, news story, about Trump not wearing a mask somewhere, I'm going to lose my shit. Trump hasn't worn a mask. He's not going to wear a mask. He will not be wearing masks anywhere. And I'm tired of hearing these fucking people cry about it. No one fucking cares. Oh, well, he's he's not wearing a mask. He's, he's, he's patterning bad behavior. When the fuck has Trump done anything else in the world besides pattern bad behavior? How is this anything aside from his normal M.O.? He's not wearing a mask at the Ford plant. Who fucking cares? You crybaby little bitches. I can't fucking handle this shit. You're going to sit here and say, oh, he's, he's doing... Uh, he's, the dude rails hookers on a regular basis. Or at least he did. The boy was... You're doing, you're, he was friends with Jeffrey Epstein. And you're sitting here crying about him not wearing a mask? What? I don't want to hear about it anymore. So for all of you out there that are creating news for the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal, stop. Please. Please stop. I don't want to hear it anymore. I don't think anybody else does either. It's like, you got to find something better here. Some journalist is, Trump's not wearing a mask. What? What? Okay. What else is new? It's not news. That's just stuff. Oh my God, speaking of the Wall Street Journal, I was perusing Twitter, Twitter today to add one more little story to the show, one extra little something-something for this show, and it was talking about how Kevin James and, um, oh, what's the dude's name from Nightcrawler? Um, I don't know. So it was basically, it, the Wall Street Journal had tweeted out um, how celebrities' appearances have changed since coronavirus, they don't have their glam squad. I think they call them a glam squad. And be about gray hair and long beards. Who fucking cares? Wall Street Journal. Who cares? Why? Shit, last week I saw in the Wall Street Journal I posted something about Kim Kardashian's parenting tips 
during coronavirus. What the fuck are you? You're the Wall Street Journal. What does that have to do with Wall Street or journalism? Shut up. I don't give a shit about Jake Gyllenhaal's salt and pepper hair. Why is that taking up space on your Twitter feed, Wall Street Journal? If this was E! News, maybe that would be valid. In this time where print media and mainstream media in general is, is, is basically propped up by Donald Trump, you have employed people. There are people that you are paying so I can know what Kevin James looks like now versus what he looked like two months ago. I care about that as much as I care about Mall Cop 2. Get it together, Wall Street Journal. Hey, just a quick reminder. Just a quick reminder here. If you love this show, head over to Apple Podcasts, leave it a five-star review, and share it with your friends. Reviews are really helpful. They make me feel good about myself, and they add validity to whatever the fuck this podcast is. So if you go over to Apple Podcasts, just do it. Just do it. Leave a five-star review. Let me know what you think. Or leave a one-star review if you want to be a dick. Because if, you, if you're going to give the show a one-star review, why are you listening to it? What are you even doing here? You can't sit with us. Oh, man. What do we, what do we have today? What do we have today? Joe Rogan News. I'm going to play a clip. We're going to play a clip from my one of my favorite political commentators, Crystal Ball, which is a very funny name, by the way. Shouts to her parents. Oh, our boy, Dr. Bill. You don't know who that is yet, but you will. Gets fired up. And we're going to hear from Mark Cuban. Going to hear from our boy, Mark Cuban. And then that's going to lead us into something to think about. Something to think about. I love that segment. Just that sets me free. I feel free in that segment. But with all of that, let's go ahead and just get to it. It's the state of things. All right, Joe Rogan signed a $100 million deal with Spotify. He will be exclusively on Spotify audio and video next year. He said that a few things. Um, He was doing it because YouTube's censorship of doctors during coronavirus was a contributing factor in this, as well as... Um, I mean, he's had uh, numerous pains in the ass when it comes to when it comes to YouTube and, and video and taking his videos down uh, or demonetizing them. And it's been a big issue. He's actually complained about it for quite a while, and he um, it's very interesting. And they're also moving the video to the Spotify platform, which I think is 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 also kind of kind of interesting. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa! Jesus, Jesus, God, that scared me. That just got out of hand. What the hell just happened? Okay, we're back. Anyways, so yeah, he, uh, he, where the fuck was I going with that? Yeah, he's had issues with, with YouTube, which is interesting. And I think a lot of people have issues with YouTube. I mean, shit, I'm being censored right now on TikTok, which is really just hurting my soul deep down because Lord knows all those TikTokers out there need my commentary. Um, but no, I thought this was really funny and I was looking through the responses to this tweet (laughs) And I found this one, which just played on accident backwards. Um, but this this video of Joe Rogan talking to Steven Tyler about Spotify. We're not on that. 
we're not on Spotify. And the reason why we're not on it is because it didn't make any sense. They were like, we want to put you on. It's going to be great for you. I'm like, how's it great? Yeah. You guys are going to make money. Like, you guys are making money. You don't give us any. It's a, it's a that whole streaming thing is this weird smoke and mirrors song and dance they put on. You're going to be okay. a part of something big. You're okay. Like, but what are you selling? All you sell is artists' work. You don't have anything to sell. Yeah. <laughs> artists get paid so little. So little. So where's the money going? Because there's all these <laughs> in their fucking pockets. Hello, everybody. I have an announcement. The podcast is moving to Spotify. Moving to Spotify. I signed a multi-year licensing agreement with Spotify that will start on September 1st. Starting on <laughs> September, we're not on that. We're not on oh. Spotify. <laughs> it's funny. It is funny. Now, the music business uh, has been pretty shady since since the jump, it seems like. Since right when people started, you know, licensing cavemen playing drums and, and uh, having exclusives. The artists generally get host. It's kind of the standard for the music industry. But it's funny to hear that as a streaming platform and his criticism of it with Steven Tyler, which Steven Tyler is, is Aerosmith, man. Come on. Like, they're they're doing fine. But um, the fact that they tried to sell this to Joe Rogan and say, you're going to be a part of something big. <laughs> it's like, motherfucker, I already am something big. <laughs> I am a I'm a, I'm a, I'm a game I'm a game changer in the space. He makes celebrities with his podcast. Now I'm curious though because I don't know if Apple paid him beforehand. Apple doesn't pay me anything because we don't pay Apple anything. It's like hey here's your here's we're gonna do this for free. You put your shit here. We'll host it. Done. Well, actually, let me think about that. No, they don't host it. Man, Apple's getting a really sweet deal out of this whole podcast thing. Huh. I do pay to be on Apple. Jesus. I just realized that just now. Anyways, but it's funny to hear him say that, and it's like, well, what, you know, who's getting paid? This, just you? But no. Papa Rogan's getting paid $100 million. I don't know how that's spread out. I don't know how, what the deal is. I don't know the details of this deal. I wasn't involved in negotiations, but I think it's hilarious. But I don't know how the video is going to work. Because I like watching the videos on YouTube. I'm sad. I'm actually sad about I'm like happy about it, but I'm also sad about it. I'm also sad about it. So that's big news, though. It's been going around. It's been covered by a lot more than what I would have expected, too. Super interesting stuff. All right, moving on. I'm going to play you something from, as I said, one of my favorite political commentators. Her name is Crystal Ball. She is with Rising from the Hill. It's a daily show. Not the daily show, but a daily show on YouTube. Uh, and it's, it's, if there's one news outlet that I check in with every day, I can only take so much Fox news, MSNBC, because I'm generally just making fun of them, but I do like rising a lot. I like rising. I like Kyle Kalinske and, um, this is a really f interesting take. So she's talking about how cable news brainwashed liberals into abandoning their values. And of course she is a progressive. Um, so I want you to hear what she has to say, though, especially when it regards Donald Trump. So let's go ahead and get into this. Radar. Well, 
Ben Smith's New York Times column on Ronan Farrow and the pitfalls Trump-era journalists have often fallen into really struck a nerve. We discussed that column here yesterday and also this morning with Ryan Grimm, but the implications of it and the debate that it sparked continue to be worthy of consideration. The column was quite bold and it was very controversial for two main reasons. First of all, because it questioned one of the most towering figures in journalism today. But perhaps the most provocative part had to do with what Ben described as resistance journalism, essentially the willingness to dispatch with normal journalistic standards and protocols in order to advance an anti-Trump narrative, especially when that narrative has anything to do with Russia. Ronan is hardly the only or even the worst offender in this category, but the example that Ben laid out with Ronan was actually quite illustrative. Ronan had dropped a bombshell report that an IRS analyst had leaked Michael Cohen's financial records because those records had suddenly gone missing from a government database. This report, of course, was used to justify explosive headlines about a new potential conspiracy. But long after the cable news segments aired, the real truth came out. That IRS analyst named John Fry was a Michael Avenatti fan. And when Avenatti called on the Treasury Department to release Michael Cohen's financial records, Fry decided to obey his resistance hero, to abandon, in other words, the principles of discretion and confidentiality and obedience to the law, which he had surely held throughout his years of government service. And what was the cause which led this analyst to abandon these long-held principles? Helping the resistance and hurting Trump. He pled guilty to unauthorized disclosure of confidential financial reports. His lawyer described him as a victim of cable news. You can actually kind of empathize Damn. with Mr. Fry because honestly, his behavior is perfectly consistent with the existential hysteria which has gripped the Democratic Party and been exploited and inflamed by cable news and honestly plenty of mainline journalists in the era of Trump. It stems directly from a view of Trump that would liken him to the greatest and most monstrous villains in history, Hitler and Mussolini combined. This is kind of a delicate thing to argue because I am obviously no fan of Trump. I consider him dangerous in his incompetence, venality, yep. impulsiveness, and repeated demonstrated corporate fealty. But after evaluating his bumbling, mean-spirited, kamikaze time in office, I don't see him as uniquely evil or even a unique threat to the republic. And in a few discrete instances, I actually see his policy as an improvement over previous administrations. I am much more terrified of the ideologues of the Bush administration, backed by the full force of the military-industrial complex and the national security state, and aided and abetted by the so-called liberal media, than I am of the parade of fools and grifters currently embarrassing themselves in the White House. Although I have to say, it's never been more clear than now that incompetence can be just as deadly as malice. It's ridiculous that I have to say this and that it's controversial, but Trump is not Hitler. Trump is not a Russian agent. <laughs> Trump is not a Manchurian candidate. And he may have some authoritarian instincts, but he is, frankly, the lamest authoritarian of all time. Very true. But liberals have been stuffed full by a ratings-hungry cable news complex yep. of Trump derangement hour after hour, day after day. And while most are not actively committing crimes in a flailing attempt to try to hurt Trump, plenty have, in fact, elevated beat Trump over every other possible principle or value. It's part of why I think it's so important to be clear-eyed, specific, and factual in our criticisms. Lord knows Trump has given us plenty to work with without resulting to comparisons to mass murderers and genocidal ideologues. Think about that. Trump has given you plenty to work with. Plenty to work with without having to be sketchy, shady, um, without having to break the law. It's not that complicated. Let's continue. Because the moment that you actually truly believe that Trump is like Hitler and that all that matters is beating Trump, 
then behavior much more dire than what John Fry did becomes completely justified. You can see this moral relativism in the way that journalists have decided they no longer need to follow the bedrock standards of the profession because a new approach, a resistance journalism approach, is called for in the Trump era. In a typically fantastic column, Glenn Greenwald laid out the sad and outrageous story of Russiagate grifter Marcy Wheeler, who was lauded as a hero by everyone from the Twitter masses to the normally clear-thinking Margaret Sullivan at the Washington Post to the Columbia Journalism Review, for Christ's sakes, for the deeply dishonorable act of ratting out her own source. She painted herself as a linchpin in the Mueller investigation thanks to that immoral act. We see that abandonment of all principle in the way that Tara Reid has been treated by all the very same people who were shouting believe women from the Shit. rooftops only a short while ago. Oof. On Monday, I covered the latest despicable hit piece, which treated as news Tara's former landlords dishing on when she was late on her rent payments. But principles be damned because Tara could hurt Joe and that could help Trump, so she must be sacrificed on the resistance altar. Yep. But it's not just elites who've been infected with this existential view of Trump. Polling shows many Democrats have already reversed their previous view that sexual assault should be disqualifying for a politician Jesus in order Christ. to accommodate Tara's allegations. Wow. The very people so many liberals spent years opposing the Bush administration for their complicity in truly evil deeds are resistance heroes to billions now because these former Republicans are considered to be bad for Trump. We saw in the Democratic primary how voters were ready to line up behind literally anyone, policy and principle and ability to form a coherent sentence be damned, <laughs> if their cable news heroes told them that politician was the most likely to defeat Trump. Democrats used to laugh at those poor, stupid MAGA Republicans who would still vote for Trump even if he shot someone on Fifth Avenue. Now they've become exactly what they claim to hate. Ooh. We're now reduced to the point where, yes, Joe Biden could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and Democrats would just argue that if you really think about it, Trump's yep. failed coronavirus response has killed more Americans, so gotta vote blue. Because when a politician and an election is viewed as an actual nation and life-destroying existential threat, there's no limit to what you'll accept, what you'll justify, or what wrongs you yourself will commit in order to eliminate that threat. The journalistic malfeasance, the destruction of Me Too, the vicious vilification of anyone who dares dissent, and even the willingness to violate all those norms and guardrails that they claim to hold so dear. The one-dimensional, caricaturish view of Trump justifies all of this and more, and it will ultimately crush out the embers of any last dying ideal remaining within the Democratic Party. It means that when you really do face an existential threat, Nonpartisans will no longer believe a word you, with your utter lack of consistency or principles, Fuck. has to say. And Sagar, I really feel like that is where we have come to in American politics, where it's not just Democrats who have come to see, you know, Trump is this like existential, like he will destroy the country and he's, you know, this uniquely evil character that must be stopped at all costs. Like that existentialism exists on the right as well. And I think it is a deep part of why our politics is so horrible, corrupt, like why you see a complete abandonment of any morals and principles all the way around. Like that's the root cause. Yeah, of it. I was going to. I mean, yes, 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 yes. And the more research I've done, and this, this, I have to, I have to credit this show for this because this really did change things a lot for me. Is the more research that I've done into this stuff, the more I see that liberal media is is completely immoral with this whole thing, and they have told themselves this story that 
Trump is an existential threat and he's, you know, equivalent of Hitler and yada, 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 that's whole song and dance. But it's really, does that justify your actions? Because as Crystal said, there's no there's no shortage of facts if you want to criticize the dude. If you want to criticize him on policy, go for it. Uh, and I wish that the political arguments ended at policy. That would be fantastic. And as I talked about earlier, this fucking guy, of course he's going to act like a dickbag. That's what he does. That's his thing. That's his shtick. He's fucking Donald Trump. That's, his, that's why he was on The Apprentice. The same reason that Simon Cowell was on So You Think You Can Sing or whatever that show was. He's kind of a dick. This is normal for him. But the, 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 the links that the liberal media has gone to and abandoned the practice of journalism in, by any stretch of the imagination is, is, is atrocious. And the thing is, by doing that and, and by overextending your arguments, you then create the kind of behavior that's when you criticize. I honestly think, I honestly think that the liberal media wants four more years of Trump. I really do. I think that that the entire mainstream media platform is propped up by the behavior, this ridiculous behavior of Donald Trump. It, it, it makes the mo- it's the only thing. If you look just look at the most logical reason that they would support someone like Joe Biden and, and, and make him this their their champion. I mean, one is they just don't think whatever Democratic candidate they're going to throw in there is going to win anyways, and they don't want an L on somebody's record when they want them down the road. That's one option, so they just run this empty suit that can't talk. Or they dig the ratings, man. Why would they, why, why change the formula? People are outraged. Outrage drives ratings. And you, can't, you can only manufacture so many fucking bombshell stories. So there's been a resort to things that are completely immoral. And the funny thing is, I feel like Democrats are jealous of the kind of excitement that Trump creates among the right. He creates an astonishing amount of excitement for people who are they're excited about voting for someone that's not even in their best interest. They leave their best interest behind to vote for somebody that they, that they like because he says what's on his mind. And they've tried to artificially create that in a, in a Joe Biden character. It's just not going to work. That guy couldn't get a puppy excited. He's, he's, what is he? I don't even know. Is he even human? Who knows anymore? He could be like a really faulty cyborg for all we know. Like a generation one uh, host on Westworld. That's, that's where we're at. And I think the Democrats are fucking upset because they've took a line on progressive policies that are fucking nonsense, and they've 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 created a, a narrative for themselves that they're out for social justice by any means necessary, and we're not going to consider the facts, and we're not going to consider data, we're not going to consider the majority of the fucking country, and we're going to police everybody's fucking language, and this isn't okay, and that's not okay, and the Constitution be damned, and now you're upset because somebody who says what the fuck he thinks gets on his mind? Well... You, you picked a candidate that can't even say what he wants to say. He can't even get it out of his face. And you're, you're jealous. And you try to manufacture that. But the funny thing is, you had that. You had that on your fucking team in Bernie Sanders. You had a candidate that got people excited because of Bernie Sanders. Or with Bernie Sanders. 
And it's, it, it blows my mind to this day. You had the recipe for a, a leftist version of Donald Trump as far as the excitement, the rhetoric, except the difference is Bernie Sanders is he has a voting record that backs him up. One of the greatest benefits that Donald Trump had going in is that he wasn't a politician, so you couldn't criticize his voting record. You could just criticize his personal actions and maybe his business successes and failures and whatever. That was a strength for him. And he could attack other people's records but not have his own record attacked. With Bernie Sanders, there's very, very little you can attack. He's been representing the same things for 30 years. And people were excited. For some reason, this old man got people riled up and got people excited in the same way that Donald Trump does, but you just couldn't swallow the pill, man. You just could The DNC could not swallow it. And now you've got this. It's like, no, no, no. We'd rather have some old white dude who can't fake make a fucking sentence. That's what we'd rather have. Bernie's old, but he's sharp. And the thing is, too, and she gets into this a little bit, by calling Trump an authoritarian or comparing him to Hitler or Stalin or whoever, whatever the flavor of the week is for who you're going to compare him to that committed global atrocities only, only helps him. You make him look stronger. Do you see what, if you were look back at World War II footage and see what Hitler did and the guy was a fucking pariah to humanity, but he was an astonishing leader. He was captivating. He was articulate. That's why he was the leader he was. And that's why he would, could, could manipulate masses of people to commit crimes against humanity. Trump doesn't have the capacity for that. He doesn't instill fear in that many people. There's a, there's a, a capacity for fear. That is the barrier to entry to being an authoritarian. And by calling him at and generating a narrative that he is in some way a master manipulator, it only gives this dude more and more validation, strength. When in reality, is he, he routinely creates problems for himself. They're right there. But it's got to go too far. You got to do the Russiagate thing. You got to have the Mueller report. You got to impeach the guy. How did you not have the foresight to understand that you weren't going to have this guy removed from office via impeachment and you were only going to make him a stronger candidate and make him look more resilient and, and more powerful? The left is responsible for Donald Trump. The neoliberals are responsible for Donald Trump. Oh, and not to mention that he uses these, uh, these, these ridiculous attacks to create a distraction for himself. He can distract you from what's really going on and the actual policies and the actual problems with his presidency by just dangling out all this bullshit that you've thrown his way that he just uses as a weapon against you. It's the least strategic methods I've ever seen in my entire life. I, I just don't. I just don't understand. I, I'm, I'm beyond it. It blows my mind. It blows my mind. But with that being said, Crystal Ball is great. Go check out Rising on YouTube from The Hill. And now let's talk to uh, Dr. Bill. I'm Dr. Bill. I'm as patriotic as the next guy. But I read today they're going to have the Blue Angels and the other Air Force flying wizards 
fly over many cities for the healthcare workers to show their support. It costs $450,000 per flight over a city. $450,000 per flight over a city. So if there's two of them, that's 900 grand. You want to help healthcare workers? These are the goddamn N95 masks that we have to deal with. <laughs> These are painter's masks. He's holding up a painter's mask with the N95 um, stuff attached to them. This is a, it's, it's a, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a joke. It's a joke, but he's pissed. Get us equipment, get us PPEs, get us N95 masks that work anything. Get us tests for everybody. Huh. Okay. Don't fly over something so we can see some crap for $450,000 to make the president look good. You want to help healthcare workers? Take that same money and feed the people in the inner city that don't Damn. have anything to eat. Help the food care workers who are working. Help the service industry people. Don't fly over and say, oh, aren't they great? Come on, let's get real. Damn, Dr. Bill coming through. Roasting them. Pretty fucking ridiculous. $450,000 to fly over a city. And that's the thing, too. It's all song and dance. It's all song and dance. You're going to spend a million dollars to do a flyover of a city to show support. The first responders are in the hospital, dog. They got other things going on. They're not going to be outside watching the fucking jets fly over. And maybe some of them will. But what does it really do? How many people can a million dollars feed? Especially right now. How much healthcare could that take care of? How much healthcare debt could that relieve? But no, we got to show support so the president looks good. This shit is, it's common too. It's like, oh, we got to do this. We got to show support. So we're going to have these guys fly over. Why? What does that do? Well, who does that help? It helps the PR of the presidential administration. That's the only person it helps. It's the only person. It's loud and it's cool, I guess. But it's a song and dance. It's a show. It's a show. And especially these fucking guys carrying a painter's mask around, an updated painter's mask. That's what he's got. It's fucking ridiculous, man. And we're going to fly over. I mean, I love that. I've always had that thought, too, of this, like, these flyovers for certain things are cool. I get it makes sense, but... Right now, I just don't. I just think there's something better to be done. So, interesting stuff here. But Mark Cuban, Mark Cuban was on Hannity uh, on Fox News. If you don't know who Hannity is, uh, it's hard to explain who he is. Actually, he's he's like a, I feel like he either mirrors Donald Trump's mannerisms or Donald Trump mirrors his mannerisms. I can't really think I can't I mean I can't really think that's funny I can't really figure out who's first but they're astonishingly astonishingly similar and even uh, Hannity's looking a little more orange than usual and they actually missed part of his face with his makeup which is pretty funny but Mark Cuban's going to talk a little bit and the audio isn't great the audio wasn't great on that last clip either sorry about that but um, it is what it is it was filmed in a hospital with lots of machines running around but I, I think that it's really interesting because Mark Cuban is is been an outspoken supporter of Joe Biden now, but he is an independent. He was he likes what Trump was up to at the beginning, and he goes into that as well. But I think it's it's worthwhile to hear what someone like Mark Cuban has to say, who's a titan of industry. I mean, well known owner 
of the Dallas Mavericks on the show Shark Tank, which I think where most people kind of get familiar with him. Straight shooter, um, very pragmatic thinker. So let's hear what he has to say about his support of old Joe Biden. Let me ask you this, because you said you're supporting Biden, which I don't understand. You're too smart. I've watched you on Shark Tank. You're too good and too smart. You're too good a businessman. This doesn't make any sense to me. All right, let me show you a montage of your candidate, and then you tell me out of this montage that you're going to vote for this guy. And explain why. I like to, I'm trying to understand your thinking, because <laughs> I, I think a lot of you. I think you're a good owner for the NBA. You're an outspoken entrepreneur. You're a capitalist. Here's Joe Biden, your 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 choice for president. Introduce me. Am I on? Yes. Good evening, Tampa. Thanks so much for tuning in. Look, tomorrow's Superstar Tuesday, and I want to thank you all. I tell you what, I'm rushing ahead, aren't I? We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the go. You, you, know, you, know, you know the you thing. Know the thing. <laughs> You agree with me? <laughs> Go to Joe three o three three o. One of the things I like about Mark Cuban on Shark Tank is you call it as it is. Now, let me ask you. And you know, Joe, let me Joe ask Biden you. is the king. Joe Biden is the king of malaprops, but Donald, our president, has malaprops. His share of, Donald Trump does no. have his fair share. Yeah. No. Do you think that well, guy? You don't. You don't think this guy's. Had, if he had a fastball, curveball, slow pitch, that they're all gone? Come on, that doesn't no, I, scare you. You know what? Both sides scare me. I'm not. I'm not going to lie, Sean. Joe Biden. Holy shit! It's nice to hear somebody say that. Oh my god! Yes, both sides are terrifying. It scares me in some areas, and President Trump scares me in more areas right now. Ooh. And I'll tell you why, because I think that Donald doesn't put the best people in place any longer. He did at the beginning, and I was proud of him at the beginning, but now he want, just wants people who are loyal to him. And that's a problem, and it's created more problems in this pandemic. Isn't that so true, though? And that's, that's, that's one of my major criticisms here, and I think there were some things that had, done, had, gone, had gone right early on, looking back. But the dude's so scared of criticism, so scared of anybody that doesn't agree with him, which honestly in life is one of the most important things you can have around you is people that will call you an asshole when you're being an asshole. But he is terrified of that. So he wants yes men. And I've, I've been around people like that and I've worked with people like that. And man, it is hard. It is hard. It's a hard line to walk. And when it becomes something of national security or saving lives or emergencies or policy, you don't want that. You want ideas to be put through the ringer. To make sure they come out on the other side as something that actually makes sense. Well, if you had as many knives in your neck and shivs in your neck Bullshit. like he's got, you'd probably Bullshit. want to fire those people too. But I'll say this, prior to COVID, record low unemployment for every demographic in the country, something Biden and Obama never pulled off. Last word. You know, there's no question he deserves a lot of credit for what happened with the economy. He's done really well there. But those days are behind us now. But he can't be playing the victim all the you know Sean. this is what really bothers me about the president he's the most powerful man in the world and he always plays the victim yep. card the dems are out to get me the media is out to get me you've got to be the leader you've got to be the strongest man in the game and he just hasn't shown that hey, strength hey, mark that here's the thing that's that's i love i fucking love that mark cuban said that because you can't be a leader and a victim at the same time you just can't do it
Because if you're the leader, people are going to come for you. That's what happens. But you can't play victim and play leader at the same time. That's what the Mark, they spied on the guy. They spied on a candidate, his transition team. They spied on Who his cares? presidency. Those are Bill Barr's words, not Sean Hannity's. Who cares? He's the most powerful man in the world. Be powerful. Be a leader. And he fought. But back. Sean, when you're a puncher, he's supposed to be the world's best counterpuncher. He hasn't been able to <laughs> knock anybody out. He just plays the victim. Look, I love the That's... way you stand up. All these people that call him out—that's a great thing, Sean. But the man has got to be a leader, and he hasn't shown that yet. You know one thing he's never going to do? He's Donald Trump. He's—he got elected as Donald Trump. He saved the country as Donald Trump. Save the country. Hang on. This he put that in there. He got elected as Donald Trump. Okay, can you take that? And then he adds on, he saved the country as Donald Trump. He didn't save shit. He didn't save shit. Okay. Let's just be clear about that. I love how people tack on their point to like, okay, here's something I can agree with. I'm gonna tack this on too. No, he didn't save the fucking country, dude. I mean, if Hillary Clinton was our president, I'm glad she's not, to be honest with you. But if she was. The vast, vast, the 90% of us wouldn't be any worse or better off. The influx is in that 20 to 30% of people that can really feel the shifts in this whole thing. And yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a ridiculous statement. In the country back as Donald Trump, but uh, well, great to have you on. I want to sit next to you during, during the first game when your, your team opens up. I'll sit I would next hate to that. you and uh, I, would hate sitting next I won't to bring Sean any Hannity. New York COVID with me, I promise. I'll tell you what, I want to watch you eat that hot dog through the mask. That's even better. <laughs> all right, all right. Love that take. Because whether you support Biden and, and which Mark Cuban's going to go out and vote for Biden, it looks like, and that's great. Do your thing. I'm not going to do that. Uh, I'm also not voting for Trump. So... Um, I'm part of that uh, hashtag leave it blank 2020 crowd so far. Uh, but I think it's interesting there and it's so nice. It's so refreshing. And I, I hate that this happened on Fox News. But to hear someone say both sides are scary. Both sides have a, an abundance of flaws. You're voting right now. Your options right now are which one are you less scared of? Or do you just not have enough information to vote at all? Be concerned when your country is dictated and your decisions about your country are dictated by the person you're less scared of, not the person you support, not the person you're excited about, not the person with policies that you agree with, the person you're less scared of. That's where free thinking independent voters are. It's so interesting. So interesting. And we got to look at this. And this is one of the things that, MSNBC and CNN and, and, and leftist media did a fucking terrible job of you should have given the dude credit where credit was due. That would have made your criticisms of the president so much stronger. They would have had so much more bite to them because you should have actually given the dude credit where credit was due. Low unemployment numbers. Cool. Economy. Cool. Did a good job. Whatever you did, it worked great. When something actually goes wrong, when you have facts, to back up your criticism and you can attack the person on policy, then it would actually hit. But it wasn't. It was how can we manipulate whatever this guy did to make it fit the narrative that we need, that he's an authoritarian, that he's Hitler, that he's blah, 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 whatever the fuck. Really, really flawed behavior unless 
unless you're only interested in ratings. And when you view news as a consumer product, that ends up making a lot more sense. Oh, now let me give you something to think about. Forever in love with this funky ass beat. All right, something to think about. This can be short and sweet, but I think it fits the theme of today's episode very well. If you are, are unable to criticize your own beliefs, you are naive. And if you are unable to look at the other side and validate and understand their points, you're naive. If you can't see the good and the bad and everything and understand that most things are fucking gray, they're not black or white, you're naive and you're a part of the problem. I believe the term they use for this is a useful idiot. Now, am I calling you an idiot? No. It's not what this is about. What this is about is understanding that you can create a practice out of Criticizing your belief systems, honestly questioning your belief systems, whether that's religion, whether that is politics, whether that's just beliefs about yourself in general, challenging yourself and then accepting the benefits of views that are counter to yours. If you're a Christian, understand where atheists are coming from. If you're an atheist, understand where Christians are coming from. If you're a Republican, understand where Democrats are coming from. And do and, and, and criticize your own side. Challenge your own narrative. Do you think a sports team, an NFL team, would be good if they're like, oh, well, we're going to win because we're just the best. We're going to win the Super Bowl because we're just the best. That's, how, that's not how they do it. They watch film over and over again. Where are we wrong? Where are we wrong? Where do we excel? Where do we need improvement? Where are we wrong? Was that play call wrong in that situation against that formation? If you don't have the capacity to do that, I'm sorry, but you're not a critical thinker. You're not, you're, you're, your thought processes are not valuable to the collective consciousness. It just isn't a thing. If you can't criticize your own side, if you can't accept what's right about the other side, even if you don't agree with it, you're not doing anybody any favors, including yourself, most of all yourself. But then if you then project your hyper-biased opinion onto the world via whatever social media app you have put your hands on, then you become part of the problem. It's not, a, it's not an easy thing to do. It is a practice. It is a skill. But if you can't look, if you fucking hate Donald Trump and you can't look at the presidency and say, here's what was good about it, then I don't really give a fuck what you say was wrong about it. Then it doesn't fucking matter. 
If you can't look at something and say, here's what's good about it. I'm not, I'm not a Christian. I don't like Christianity that much. It honestly kind of annoys me. But I can look at Christianity and say, here's what's good about it. And you know what that does? It validates my criticisms. Because that says I took an objective view from my point of view. Of course, it's as objective as I can get being a human being. It's not going to get that far. But if you can't understand the benefits of the opposing view, then your criticisms are fucking meaningless. Meaningless. And the only person they'll matter to is people who are already agree with you or yourself. They're sure as fuck not going to do anything to, to, to change anybody's mind. Criticize your own side and accept what's beneficial about the opposing side. And with that, I love you guys. You are doing well. Oh, I, I know you're doing well out there. You're listening to this show. If you've got time to listen to this show and you're doing it, thank you. I appreciate it. Quarantine's a weird time. Being a being a podcaster, not a lot of people commuting right now. Numbers have been down a little bit, but I'm excited for everybody to get back in their cars, go back doing their things, enjoy themselves, listen to a podcast, go to the gym. I'm excited for that. I'm ready for life to be back in some some kind of normal. Some kind of normal. But I appreciate you all so much. If you could please go to Apple Podcasts. Leave a loving review on this podcast, on this, on this, uh, this wandering expedition into the state of things. Oh, it's been fun. We'll see y'all soon. Keep your head on straight. Bye bye. <laughs>